Meet Yelp for Restaurants. Not the software company, but the people who love restaurants so much they formed a team dedicated to our industry. Before Catherine joined the customer success team, she managed the modern in New York. Yeah, that modern. Before Julia joined the team, she worked at Oshaval in Chicago for half a decade. Yelp is for restaurants because our people are restaurant people. Meet the new Yelp at restaurants.yelp.com forward slash podcast. Now here we go. I don't think I thought about money or the bottom line at either Petty Cash or Republic for a year into it of each place. I just thought about live up to the standard and the integrity of the food, build the staff, make them fabulous, make them excellent, make them motivated, and the money will come. And it did. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators, served up on the house. Hey, it's Josh. Do you want to spend 60 minutes planning out a profitable 2022 with me? Just you and me, on Zoom, camera on, pen and paper out, getting you super clear on exactly what your goals are and how you're going to achieve them. It's free, even though the call is worth like a gazillion dollars. Go to planwithjosh.com to book that call with me. That's planwithjosh.com to book a one-hour strategy session to make sure that 2022 is your most profitable year yet. Great teams win games. Great coaches breed great teams. So how do we become a great coach? What qualities do we need to possess to ensure that no matter what, we've got a winning team on our hands? Melissa Kujakian is a winning coach. Every restaurant she's run has gone on to become a wild success, and that's no accident. Today, we talk about her intentional style of leadership, the importance of enthusiasm, and the secrets behind building a team that lasts. My first job was in hospitality, was in my mom's best friend's cafe. And I think that's kind of where I first got a sense of taking care of people and really enjoying it. And so many people feeling so happy that I got to be a part of that. I was 15 at a little breakfast cafe and I loved it. And I think that there's something performative about on screen and off screen or on stage and off stage. There's sort of a the guest experience gives you this performative quality. And then there's this craziness that's going on in the back. And I love, was it Will Gadara who said, you're like swans. You look so elegant and beautiful on top of the water and underneath your little <laughs> pedaling as quickly as you can. And there is a scrappy pirate ship, like those types of things that just feel like a really fun dichotomy. And I lived in New York. I loved eating out. And I think that that was probably the first romantic pull. I love dining out. I loved that experience. You know, I was in New York when Balthazar was open, just open. It was the most incredibly sexy, fun, dynamic, exciting time. And I just always kept going back to restaurants. I tried other things. I really did, but none of it could stick. I love hospitality. What brought you to LA? I'm from here originally. I grew up in Palos Verdes and I thought I would live in New York forever and ever and ever because I was so obsessed with the cuisine. But when I came back, I started working in restaurants right away. And this guy named Bill Chait started making a really big impact in the dining community. And it felt like there was something happening in Los Angeles that hadn't happened. 
And all of a sudden, we were taken a little bit more seriously in the restaurant and dining community. And I was very, very lucky to be a part of that. What did you learn from that experience? Talk to me about your role and how you grew into that role there and how that evolved the way you manage restaurants. Yeah. So I started sort of my beginning of taking my restaurant career really seriously was at Chaya and Petrosian. Those two, they were the original Chaya in Beverly Hills and Petrosian was right up the street in West Hollywood. And I would work one shift at one restaurant and walk up to the other kind of back and forth. And I loved both of those experiences. And at Petrosian, I was promoted to management and really pushed and really given a chance to grow. And so I had some management experience, some AGM floor manager experience. And one of my longtime regulars said, I have this great guy. I want you to meet him. You guys have a lot in common. He's in restaurants. You'll love him. And I go, okay, whatever. I kind of assumed he wanted me to interview a friend of his for a job. So I said, fine, whatever. I'll meet your friend. And I go to this coffee shop and turns out it was Bill Chait and Walter Mansky and was totally shocked that they were there. Had no idea why I was sitting there with them. And I didn't bring a resume. I was totally underprepared. And it became very apparent I was being interviewed for a job. I had no idea what the job was. (laughs) And I sat there and talked for a little bit about myself and literally halfway through finally had to say, I'm so sorry, what is this for? And Bill Chait said, oh, this is for the general manager position at Petty Cash. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm not a general manager. I'm an assistant general manager. I've been an AGM for five years. I don't know how to be a general manager. And he looked at me and he laughed and he said, so that's it then. You've reached the pinnacle of your career as an AGM. You don't ever want to be more or grow. And I just thought, if I don't take this right this moment and say, oh my, yes, I'm ready. Let's do it. I thought I would regret it. So I pretended like I was ready and said, sure, I'll do it. And I took this job that I was totally, completely underprepared for. And it changed my life, completely changed my life, changed everything and really became one of the most important milestones in my life. What did the educational practice look like? When they brought you in, you had limited experience. How did they educate you in the roles and the responsibilities, make you look through their lens? And then how does that inform the way you train people today? I think it was a combination of Walter and Bill. So the company was so small at the time, Bill was my mentor. I mean, he sat down with me and showed me how to read a P&L every week. He taught me how to do GL coding. He taught me how to do invoicing, payroll. Like it was me and Bill Chait sitting in the office going through these little things in the tiny little office at Petty Cash. And Walter gave me such a huge education on food and told me, you have to go eat here. You have to go eat here. Go eat here. Go eat at this place. And really pushed me to grow my understanding of food, even though I thought at the time I had such a great palate. I learned very quickly. I didn't know anything. So I made a list and I kept a list of every single restaurant I'd eaten at in Los Angeles and every restaurant I wanted to go to. And it was miles and miles long. I was super dialed in and I was very lucky that Bill and Walter gave me so much of their time that completely shaped my career. It's strange because it feels like a more formal education. Typically, the way it works is you're given the role, you're given the responsibilities, and then you're left to your own devices. (laughs) I mean, that's true, too. There's no question. How many other restaurants Bill had like 12 or 13 and Walter was literally opening Rep of Week at the time. So 
there was an element of feeling very supported. And then there was an element of, I don't know, someone, well, this is a whole other story. Retina, who we had a painting by, came into Petty Cash with a crew and stole one of the paintings off the wall, knocking people down in his way at the time. And I had no idea. How do you deal with that? What do you do? There were so many moments like that of just working on your feet and figuring it out. And I did all the hiring and all of those pieces I just had to figure out. But I was very lucky that I had support in the ways that I did. Did you look to other people in the industry as you were coming up and said, I want to manage like that person? I want to run a restaurant like that. Did you model yourself in your behavior? Yeah. I worked at Patina very briefly for Christian Filippo, and he was the opening general manager at Republique. And I was very inspired by him. And he sort of represented this French serious fine dining etiquette that I didn't know much about. And I did think that that was sort of what I wanted to be. He and I are still very good friends. I thought about that. And then I had a great mentor at Petrosian. Uh, His name's Chris Clapp. He's actually still there. And he's been there forever. And he really taught me how to manage people and how to build a team. And I think it was sort of that combined caring about people putting the right people in the right places, having a larger food education from Walter, and having the kind of inner workings of the financial structure from Bill. Those combinations really helped me in my career. How do you put the right people in the right places? You say it and it resonates, but for a lot of people, they're dealing with college kids, right? That don't really give a shit. And so how do you put the right people in the right places and motivate them in a way that resonates with them? Yeah. This is my favorite part about restaurants, hiring people and training people. And I think you find different people that fulfill different things. I always said there were this extreme type of this server who is charismatic and loves the guest experience and can sell anything, that type of person. And then on the other end, there's the type of server that's extremely detail oriented and dots the I's and crosses the T's and makes sure every corner, everything is done so perfectly, but it's more mechanical. I call it the magic and the machine. And you need one of each, but not too many (laughs) of either one of those types of people. But you need a lot of people in between those two. And it's just recognizing putting people together who have certain things in common, meaning a desire for excellence, a commitment, a dedication, a work ethic, but really strong and really different personality types. And I love interviewing people. It's like my favorite thing to do. And finding out what gets them excited, what gets them passionate, what are they really motivated by? And is that something I can provide? Is that something I can honestly give them? Is that kind of inspiration? And if it's not, it's probably not a good fit. You'd be surprised how many servers I would interview that would say, you know, I heard everybody makes really good money here and I really need to make a lot of money. So that's my real reason for being here. And in my mind, it was immediate, like, thank you so much for your time. We wish you all the best. You know, (laughs) of course, we have to make money. Of course, everybody has to make money. I want people to make a lot of money. But if that's the thing that's motivating you and your primary motivation, then we're not going to be a good fit. I want people who find other things that really get them going. And there's so many ways to do that in a restaurant, even if you're not a lifelong hospitality person. What makes you feel good at the end of the day? What makes you feel Like you can put your head down on your bed and your pillow at the end of the day and feel like today was a good day. It was a productive day. I'm proud of what I did and I feel good about tomorrow. And we spend so much time at our jobs 
the least I can do is make it a place that feels good to participate and be a part of. And I think that's the responsibility of managers is to make your work environment positive, productive, and something you can be proud of. Are there any go-to interview questions that you use time and time again that give you like a really clear indicator of who someone is or if they'll be a good fit? Definitely. What are you passionate about is one. And I take a lot of them from the Make It Nice group. I love that group. I was lucky enough to be able to stage at 11 Madison Park and became good friends with a lot of the crew at the Nomad and literally would take questions that they would ask. And I loved, you know, if you could get paid for a day in anything other than money, what would it be? And candy bars and whatever, music, things people loved. That gives you a sense of what turns this person on. And I talk a lot about commitment to excellence and the kind of people that I want and want to attract are people who, for example, like see a little crumpled piece of paper on the sidewalk just next to a trash can and they see it and they keep walking and then something in them just goes, I got to go back and pick that up. They turn around, pick up the trash and put it in the trash can. Like those are things that I want someone who is motivated to do well because they like doing well. And I think you can find out a lot of that in an interview. How you do anything is how you do everything, right? Totally. I've heard people say that. And I do think that that's something that is real. And I would try to talk to my team about that. You don't have to want to be a server for the rest of your life. You don't have to want to be a bartender or barista for the rest of your life. But while you're here, let's make the most of it. Let's make it fabulous. Let's make it something that you feel really proud of. And I think that we were very lucky to be able to make the restaurants that I've been a part of feel very motivated. And I'm a big fan of slogans. And when I was at Petty Cash, we would close every pre-shift. The whole team would scream Petty Cash for life. That was our thing. And <laughs> I used to tell the staff that I got a tattoo that said Petty Cash for life. And I would make competitions of like, I'll show it to you one day, but we'll see whoever sells the most margaritas. Maybe I'll, show, you know, I of course didn't really get a tattoo, but it was this ongoing joke. And I think what's really effective about enthusiasm and genuine enthusiasm is that it's contagious, right? Like being in a shitty and a bad mood is just equally as contagious as it is to be positive and optimistic and enthusiastic. And I found that even when I was over the top. I used to run around the restaurants every day and be like, every day, today's going to be great. Today's the best day. We're going to have the best time. Everything's going to be awesome. And there is an element of like, oh my God, okay. But even the cool kids at the back of the bus like to have something to be a part of. You know what I mean? And there is a little bit of like an eye roll of, oh my God, Melissa, she's over the top enthusiastic, but better than a boss who doesn't give a shit. Sure. I found that People would find themselves the first day like, okay, petty cash for life, petty cash for life. Then you'd add a new person who would see it. You'd kind of see this thing growing, this, this separate organism, you know, and all of our powers combined, we created something else. By the end, people are screaming at the top of their lungs. They don't care how silly they look. They don't care how ridiculous it is. Petty cash for life. They're going nuts. And the same at Republic. We used to scream at the top of our lungs. Welcome to the experience. We had a call that kind of united us and made us feel part of a team. I love that kind of stuff. Something that you can look at petty cash, you can look at republicing, you can say the same thing, which is great food, great service. Neither one of those things particularly move me. As a consumer, 
I totally appreciate it when I experience, but as a restaurateur, it's not necessarily a recipe for success. Great restaurants close every single day. But what I will say for those two restaurants is that they were perpetually busy. And so my question is, how? What is the path to busy? I definitely think it starts with the food first. And I felt that that was always my job. I was in service to Walter. (laughs) He's the reason why I was there. Let's be real. I think Walter is the most talented chef, period. I just think he's absolutely beyond talented. And that's such a huge reason why I worked for him. And I always felt that the food came first and everything else came second, including service. I had to get people that cared about his food, that understood why he was so brilliant, why his food was so special and so wonderful. And I think that once you recognize that your number one strength, your number one thing is how good our food was, my job was to figure out a way to keep awesome service, a happy team, and make money around that number one thing that was unchangeable. Walter would buy, I mean, he's notorious. He would buy the most expensive avocados you could find on the planet for our guacamole. I'm not kidding. We one time, we said, chef, these these are like five times more expensive than the average avocado. We're going to do a taste test and we're going to put the regular ones next to yours. And I doubt you can tell the difference. Are you kidding? He was two seconds. He was like, that's the <laughs> shitty one. That's the expensive one. We're using it. I don't give a shit. Totally uncompromised. Like, okay. So my job is to say not, That was like such a terrible mistake, by the way. What an idiot I was. But it's such a good lesson early on of like, we're never, ever, ever, ever compromising on quality of food. That is like huge, 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 huge. And then we have to find a way to motivate the team to be positive, optimistic, fantastic, great at service and stay committed to those things. I don't think I thought about money or the bottom line at either Petty Cash or Republic for a year into it of each place. I just thought about live up to the standard and the integrity of the food, build the staff, make them fabulous, make them excellent, make them motivated, and the money will come. And it did in both cases, much more quickly than I would have expected. But I think that that was a huge piece of it was really feeling committed to the right people and the right team to support chef's food are what will make us successful. Let's talk about building the team, because I think that one of the things that you do expertly well is building an amazing team. And that also consists of managerial support so that you can focus on the things that are most important. Now, when you walk through the door and it's day one, you're doing everything, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. How did you begin to delegate and who did you delegate to? Like, what did that process of let's call it offboarding look like? Mm -hmm. That's really complicated. And management is so hard in hospitality and particularly because managers are at high end levels are often paid less than servers, right? That servers can make so much more money. And that's not true across the country. That's not true in all circumstances. I completely recognize that. But in Los Angeles at higher end restaurants, servers can make more than a full-time salaried manager. So recruiting people to be managers is extremely challenging. And I think the biggest thing for me was finding people who genuinely had a passion. I would never hire a manager who wasn't dedicated to hospitality as a career. There were people that said, okay, I guess if I work as a manager and I can, I don't know, be an actor on the side or do these other things, total no-go. You know, you can't become a manager in restaurants 
unless it's really what you want to do and you have career goals to become a general manager or work as a restaurateur, something that you have a bigger picture in mind because the sacrifices are just too great. You work nights, weekends, holidays, no time off. You don't make a lot of money. All those things like you really need to be passionate. And You're so really already- selling it. Yeah, I know. I know. It's terrible. But once you find the people that are like, okay, in spite of all that insanity, which was me, I mean, I went through those ropes. I was a manager for years without any perks, so to speak. And I loved both things, taking care of staff and guests and finding managers that are really dedicated and connected to staff, I think is the most important thing. And I feel like You need to find the people that care about your team, care about your staff, and that are very trainable and teachable and and willing to figure it out on their feet, too. I mean, it's that unique combination, but it's people that are willing to get in the trenches and figure it out and say, yes, chef, a thousand times. And when the barista got sent home and somebody still wants a latte, you got to figure out how to make one and make it beautiful. It's a unique combination of skills, but I would take passion, dedication, and work ethic over experience any day of the week. I think that in my time, the people that came to us with the thickest resumes were the least flexible and the least willing to learn and do it our way or help us find our way. And we're more committed to, well, I did it this way here. That's how it should be. And I don't know. I really believe that a good restaurant manager is someone who cares about the team, listens to the team, and is willing to learn and is flexible. Those are the most important skills. I can teach you how to serve open-handed or pour a glass of champagne, but I can't teach you how to give a shit. That's a line I would say all the time. So I think in my wine director, that's a good example. I hired a wine director who had very limited experience managing and running a wine program. and he came to a serious problem. I said, not a single wine in the restaurant is in the POS. So you need to put every wine in the POS, the thousands of bottles, and I need a wine list and I need it done in three months. <laughs> you know. And I interviewed dozens and dozens of Psalms and excellent resumes and this and that. And here was this young person with limited experience who loved wine, was obsessed with wine and wanted the chance. He wanted the opportunity and he crushed it, absolutely crushed it. And I couldn't have found someone that worked as hard as he did, was as motivated, as dedicated, had I found somebody that could rest on their laurels a little bit more and say, well, at all these other places, I accomplished all these things. No, no, no. He killed himself to prove that he was capable. And he did a great job. When you look at the success of Replub Lake, and you look at it through your personal lens, Mm -hmm. what were the decisions that you made along the way that you think have directly contributed to the success of that restaurant? I think it's just hiring staff. I think that's probably my strongest skill. And the thing I'm most proud of was hiring the team, building the team and having a team that was working harmoniously together for years. You couldn't get a job at Republic for years, literally, because we were so well staffed and nobody left. I'm very proud of that. It really allows you to grow in a way that so many restaurants can't because there's such high turnover. And when you're constantly going through bussers or your bar team or the service staff or kitchen. When you're going through people, how do you ever grow? You're kind of constantly going back to square one, right? You're going back to training and training and training. But once you have a really solid team and 
you've done it. You've learned. Everyone knows how to serve open-handed. Everyone knows how to pour a champagne. Everyone knows right-of-way. Everyone knows our M system, our VIP system. Now what? And then the possibilities became endless of how many ways can we challenge ourselves? What can we do better? How can we raise the bar? And that's when Walter really started moving the restaurant in the direction of more fine dining. When I took over Republique, it was very casual and it was very much a bistro. We used inexpensive white little cheap plates and tumblers that were 80 cents for each glass. Our candles were in mason jars. And then by the time I left, every plate was a handmade Heath piece. Each water glass was a $9 crystal glass, you know, like, (laughs) and that is because the team had grown to a place where they respected what we were doing so much, they could take good care of it. So I think that I'm very proud. I do feel that I contributed to an excellent team who really loved and cared about Republic and helped make it great. Any mistakes you made along the way or mistakes that you witnessed that other people should avoid? God. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I made so many. I mean, one of the things I thought, I took chances on hiring people a lot. And I remember I would hire someone that was like a disaster, would walk through the door, have this incredible charismatic story, and then say like, you know, I'm a recovering drug addict. I haven't touched drugs for three weeks, but I love service and I love this. And I and I was like, sold. <laughs> you, no problem. Like, we'll figure it out. And my entire management team would be like, oh, I don't know. This is a good idea. And I felt so committed to this concept of your personality, your dedication will get you there. And sometimes I made bad decisions about hiring because I wanted to believe in people maybe too much. And I missed a lot of red flags when people would say, oh, I love this. I love restaurants. I love hospitality. I love all the things you're saying. I can only work one day a week. you know. And I'd be like, fine, <laughs> we'll figure it out. And there would be just so many things of like, okay, that's not going to work. I mean, those are touching on the surface of how many mistakes I've made, but those are some. Talk to me about leaving Republic in the next evolution of your career. What inspired you to leave and what inspired you to take this next step? Gosh, so bittersweet. I would tell the staff that they would bury me under the floorboards at Republic. I'm sure this sounds so cliche and I am sort of that person, but I loved that place. It was not a job. It was my identity. I lived, breathed everything, morning, noon, and night. And I suddenly had a very big life change. I had a baby (laughs) and I just couldn't work the hours that I used to. And not only that, but I think we were in the middle of a pandemic. And I think Republic was really going through such enormous changes. And I really needed to be committed to my child. And it was the first time in my life that anything has ever remotely competed with Republic. My husband was always very aware it was Republic and then him. <laughs> you know, it was like on every vacation, Walter would call me, you know, it's like I always answered. I always picked up the phone. I felt very connected to that job. And then suddenly I had a little tiny human that I needed to be with more. So very bittersweet. I'm so happy that I love my son. That is such a huge part of my life, the most important, but I needed a place that could give me more flexibility and running a restaurant, notoriously not flexible. So I found this amazing opportunity through a friend of a friend who connected me to an amazing woman named Annie Campbell. And she just won Best Caterer in Los Angeles. 
That was according to Los Angeles Magazine. And she's an entrepreneur, a businesswoman, and she's a chef, a cook in her own right. And she is definitely someone that I think was willing to take a chance on me and find a way to sort of make the job more flexible so I could be a mom and also commit to my passion for hospitality. So I feel very, very lucky. What do you think are the lessons that you're taking from the restaurant industry that you'll be able to infuse into the catering work? I've already learned it is so different. The hiring piece, for example, the thing I felt the most confident and strong about, it's so different. The servers aren't there in the same way that they're in a restaurant. It's kind of gig work, right? It's like come and go. So I've definitely learned a lot about how different that is. And I've definitely taken a step in humility of feeling like, wow, I thought I knew a lot about hospitality, but catering is such a unique, it's totally different, completely different in my mind than running a restaurant and the comfort of those four walls. Everything is there, right? The thing about catering is like, I could ask a server any day, probably go get me a coffee cup and they'll know where to go and they can get it and bring it. In catering, it's like, if I ask someone to go get me a coffee cup, it's like, well, where's the setup for the kitchen and which coffee cup are we using? And are they the guests? Are they the clients or are they the ones we brought? And are they the rentals? And there's like 30 different things that you have to figure out. It's so much more complicated. And I have learned I know nothing. That's the first thing. <laughs> and as far as what translates, I think it's really just, again, finding the thing that we're passionate about. Annie is excellent at both food and service. And I think that her attention to detail, I don't think there's anyone who has a stronger eye for it than Annie and her willingness to go above and beyond. And I relate to those things and I understand those things. And I think Walter really helped cultivate that in me. He used to greet me every day for years when I would come in the door at Republic of like, here are the 10 things that are wrong in the restaurant. And a different person might go, oh my God, this is like every day we're being told what's wrong. But I think the right attitude about it was, Every day, there's an opportunity to improve. Every day, there's an opportunity to get better. Every day, something will be not perfect forever. And all you have to do is see it as a chance to get better. And I think that that's something that can translate into catering and into this business and something I hope I can help continue to bring to the table. But I'm very grateful to be given this chance because I feel like I'm learning so much. Who knew catering would be so different? This is an industry podcast, and at the end of every episode, I'd like to give the guests an opportunity to speak directly to the audience. Do you have any advice or words of encouragement you'd like to offer? You know, this is such a hard time in our industry with so much change, but I think the heart of it will always be the same. It's taking care of people, taking care of our guests, but first and foremost, taking care of our team. And I hope that we can remember even when it's hard, even when it's challenging, even when it's expensive that investing in our staff is the most powerful thing that we have that makes us stronger and giving people benefits, paying them well, giving them time off, creating long-term opportunity for growth will make a better restaurant, a better job, and ultimately will make you more profitable. I feel really strongly about that. And I know it's something that is true. That's Melissa Kujakian. For more on Republic, visit republicla.com. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, or check out our other content, go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash full comp. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave us a review. 
A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.